Lock and welcome. Good afternoon to uh, another show here, Employment Law Show. You bet. You want to get on board this 604-280-9898. 604-280-9898. That is the number to call in over the next hour. Ask Leah your questions if... Uh, you're off because of COVID-19, you're on temporary layoff, or you're going back on temporary layoff, or someone's talking about it, anything having to do with the, uh, the COVID-19, the pandemic, and work, give us a call, get some answers if you're in the dark, 604-280-9898, or any other employment matters, severance questions, uh, temporary layoffs, all that stuff, being a contractor, not a contractor, anything, bring it on. No uh, question. Uh, you should be bashful to ask for sure, and Leah here is here to answer those. Email help at employmentlawyer.ca anytime as well, and you can also go to the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca for tons of free and anonymous information. And within that website, the old severance pay calculator, which has helped so many people realize that they are being absolutely shortchanged by their workplace or former workplace when they're offered a severance offer. So we'll get to that. Uh, my friend, how are you? I am great. How are you, John? I'm uh, hanging in there, ready for the phone calls, ready to uh, you know do our uh, do our thing like we do on Sundays. What uh, what do you got going on for the week that was, my dear? Well, lots of lots of interesting stuff, as you said. You know, this is this is we are living in COVID times. This is mm-hmm. just a strange period of time to be alive. It's a very interesting time to be an employment lawyer. That is for sure. And I feel like a, a show like this, a program like this, where you know, the, the whole point of being here is to help to inform people and to answer people's questions. You know, this is this is needed more than ever right now because everything is in flux. Um, and that's, you know, particularly true, I find, in November and December because there's, as there is every year, there's a real push to get things sort of wrapped up before the holidays. So it's been, uh, it's been really, really busy. Lots of employment contract reviews and, of course, severance package reviews. And, you know, on our end, severance package improvements. So if this is your first time listening to the show, that's exactly what we do. We make sure that, you know, everybody is playing nice in the sandbox when it comes to employment. I'm an employment lawyer here in Vancouver, and I help people through various employment issues that can come up in the workplace. If it's happening in your workplace, I can help you. And this show is dedicated to exactly that, helping people with Mm -hmm. their employment issues. So if you have any questions or concerns, want to know what you're entitled to, what your rights are, give us a call over the next hour and uh, and we'll be happy to help you through it. Now to start off with uh, our brief segment of the week that was, and of course this is just a, a brief overview of some of the situations that I deal with on a daily basis, real people that I've spoken to and have helped over the last few weeks. But one of the things that's really stood out to me lately, and I think it's because, you know, over the last year, a lot of companies have been forced to lay people off, terminate people in numbers that they were never anticipating. And that has been a huge liability for companies. And so you have a lot of companies who are now looking to uh, to, to avoid that liability in the future and to, to be a little bit more, to be smarter when it comes to uh, the terms of the employment relationships that they're entering into. And so what I've been finding lately is that I'm coming up against a lot of contracts, either people who are calling me to have a contract reviewed, and I cannot stress enough how good of an idea that is, or people who unfortunately have been terminated uh, and have a contract that limits what you're entitled to. And I find that invariably, 
when I say, you know, I'm sorry, there's nothing that I can do, you know, after we've, we, I've asked them all the questions I asked them, when I tell them that there's nothing that they can do, they say, I just had no idea that in signing this, I was limiting my, my rights that significantly. You know, I thought that in this contract, when it said that they were going to pay me out in accordance with the Employment Standards Act, that mm. sounds fair. Right. That's a, of course, I'll get everything I'm entitled to get under statute. Perfect. Um, but it's it's not it's really not perfect. And it uh, it really, really can limit your entitlements. And at the end of the day, because you can be terminated for any reason, any reason, the only way that you are protected, the only way that you are insulated from a termination is to make it as expensive as possible for your employer. Um, so let me let me just back up really briefly just to touch on what I mentioned the being the Employment Standards Act. So like I said, a, a lot of contracts say you will be limited to the minimum amounts of the Employment Standards Act in the event that you're terminated. Uh, and that's it. And a lot of people say, well, you know, if, if that's what the Employment Standards Act says, and that must be all that I get. And the Employment Standards Act does set out your entitlements in the event of a termination. Uh, if you've been there for more than three months, you get one week. Uh, if you've been there for more than 12 months, you get two weeks. And if you've been there for more than three years, you get three weeks plus an additional year for every, or plus an additional week for every year of service to a maximum of eight weeks. And although it says that the maximum is eight weeks, these entitlements are actually only your base minimums. They are your floor, they are not your ceiling. The only way that you legally max out at your Employment Standards Act entitlements is if you have signed an enforceable contract that specifically and explicitly makes them your ceiling. Without this, without a contract, you are entitled not just to your entitlements under the Employment Standards Act, but also to your entitlements under the common law. And the common law is a completely separate system uh, and it's essentially judge-made law. So for every case that goes through our courts and is decided by a judge, we get new law and that's the common law. And the common law tells us that, you know, we're very rough metric is approximately one month for every year of service. So that's a very, very big difference, right? If we're looking at a 12-year employee, the Employment Standards Act says you get eight weeks, common law puts them closer to 12 months, right? Which is a huge, huge difference when we're talking about what you're entitled to in the event of a termination. So big takeaway yeah. here is, you know, if you get a contract, if you have an offer letter, have it reviewed. The number is 604-280-9898. Kenny, thanks so uh, so much for standing by. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Good. What's on your mind? I just wondered, uh, I think you've answered my question. I've been with a company uh, for about 26 years, and the company has now been sold. And I'm just wondering, why I went into your uh, system in the, uh, about severance pay, and it looks like uh, I'm getting about 60000 a year. I'm sort of middle management sort of thing. And uh, it looks like it's, I'm basically entitled to two years severance. Does that sound about right? Yes, it does. Um, have you not been offered employment with the company that purchased your old employer? Well, I'm, work, I'm with them at the moment. They haven't actually said if they're going to let me go or not, but I have a feeling they will. I just, you know, they've let a lot of other people go. Yeah, always Yeah, always good to be prepared. And yeah. certainly, if you do not have an employment contract, you are entitled to 24 months. 
I would certainly say as a middle management who's been there for 26 years, that's roughly the ceiling of what your entitlements are, uh, but okay. it's a ceiling for everybody. And I would say that any package that comes in at less than 20 months is something that I would certainly have reviewed. And keep in mind as well that over that entire notice period, over that entire period of time, you also need to be made whole. So it's not just your salary, it's, it's variable compensation, it's benefits, it's pension contributions, it's phone allowance. So there are a lot of factors that we look at in the severance package and that you have to be made whole for all components of your compensation over that 24-month period. Okay, well, thank you very much. So if I'm in doubt, I can give you a call sort of thing. Exactly. That's exactly what you want to do. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate it, Kenny. I'm going to give you the numbers we, as we let you go there. That number is 604 283-3123. Again, 604-283-3123. Kenny, you want to reach out through email, get a hold of Leah, you can do so. And that is help at employmentlawyer.ca. I'm pretty sure that uh, Kenny also went to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca where he found the severance pay calculator. That's why he was bang on with the 24 months that he's owed after being a 26-year employer as a middle management. And the topic for the day that we're going to get to here is uh, busting employment law myths. But first, before we get that, I think you had a second match you wanted to talk about, uh, Leah, as far as the week that was. Go ahead. What do you got in mind? Yeah, and, and actually, just before I get into that, just to sort of continue on with my discussion that we've had mm-hmm. with Kenny, um, you know, I'll, at the end of the day, I recommend that anybody who gets a severance package has it reviewed. Um, I think that there's, you know, there's never any harm in, on, in getting it reviewed. And worst case scenario, you will get the closure that you need in order to sign off on it and know that you didn't leave any money on the table. But I'm particularly going to recommend that if you come in on either the low service end of the range or the high service end of the range, because I would venture a guess that like 98 to possibly 100% of employers do not give proper notice to individuals who have been employed for 18 plus years or three years or less. So. I mean, I think that getting your severance package reviewed in any situation is a good idea, but particularly if you fall into one of those two categories, I can almost Mm -hmm. guarantee you that you are not getting what you're entitled to. But I digress. Um, The other thing that I wanted to talk about uh, has to do with the kinds of workers that are entitled to severance. And the reason why I wanted to touch on this is because uh, one thing that's sort of really been standing out to me lately is... And, and, you know, I can't blame them for this, but I find that employers are really trying to, um, they're trying to do everything they can. They're trying to throw every argument at the wall uh, to deny paying somebody severance because they just, right. they have a lot of liabilities and they want to do what they can to, to limit those. Um, and one of the things that has frequently come up is the one of the things that has a ton of misconception around it as well is uh, it, the contractor and employee dispute. So I spoke with a gentleman this past Thursday who was a driver for a company and he was an owner operator of his vehicle. Um, the company didn't withhold taxes from his pay and he set his own hours. He did not in any way hold himself out as an employee of the company and they both referred to him as an independent contractor. There was actually an agreement and an offer letter that said, you are an independent contractor. Back in March, as a result of COVID, his boss told him, you know, starting tomorrow, we're not gonna need you anymore. And because you're an independent contractor, individual, you don't get any severance. So at the time, like I said, this made sense to the guy. He had always thought of himself as a contractor. uh, And even when we spoke, everything he was saying certainly indicated that he was not an employee. 
but our courts have carved out another category of worker between employee and independent contractor, and that's known as the dependent contractor. Yep. So this is a worker who has all of the indicia of being a contractor, right? So, you know, you can agree to be a contractor. There's no tax withheld from your pay. You've got all your own tools and equipment. You retain control over how much you're paid and when you work, and you can even work for other companies. But if you work so much for one company that you're financially dependent on the work that they give you, then it's arguable then you, that you are a dependent contractor and dependent contractors are entitled to severance when they're terminated. Now, the, the gentleman that I was just speaking with or speaking about and was speaking with this week, mm-hmm. he worked 100% of his time with this company. So wow. there's no doubt that he'd be considered, uh, that he would be considered a dependent contractor uh, and, and entitled to severance. Now, depending on how long you've worked for the company, I would say that if your income from the company comprises like 75% or more of your total earnings, then you have a very good case that you are a dependent contractor and entitled to severance. So probably as important as knowing how much severance you are entitled to is knowing if you are entitled to severance in the first place. Mm -hmm. Dependent contractors get severance, employees get severance. And if you are an employee, it does not matter whether you work full-time or part-time, if your employer is big or small, if your employer is having financial difficulties, you get severance. So best strategy, no matter where you think you fall along the spectrum, is to give me a call if you're let go, and we can certainly make sure uh, that you're getting everything that you're entitled to. You want to call here for the remainder of the show this afternoon? No problem. 604-280-9898. Send along an email. We'll try to get to some of those. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the website, uh, the website simply employmentlawyer.ca, will also give you a pathway to catch our television show. So you can uh, find some links where you can find our long-running TV show, 30 minutes about what we talk about here for an hour on the radio show. Again, employmentlawyer.ca, the website for that. Busting employment law myths. Number one is this. Can't be terminated unless I've done something wrong. No, 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 no. You don't like it that way, but it's not true. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. And and that's probably one of the biggest myths that there is. Um, And it's often, you know, one of the reasons why, it's the main reason why I think people call me is not because they think that they're not getting the right severance package, even though 98% aren't. It's because they think, hey, I was let go and I just got a really good performance review or I was let go and I wasn't told a reason. And I think that, you know, a lot of that confusion comes from uh, unionized employment where, you know, there's a requirement that there be just cause for termination. But if you are a non-unionized employee, your employer can terminate you at any time for any reason, as long as it's not discriminatory and they pay you your full severance entitlements. Now, I have a lot of people who call me asking if they've been wrongfully dismissed because they were terminated, notwithstanding the fact that they were excellent performers or the employee with the most seniority, or you know, they were terminated for no reason at all, or a reason that seems to be less than truthful. You know, like the company says they are restructuring and then a job ad is placed for your position. But the only time that the reason for your termination can give rise to a wrongful dismissal claim in and of itself is when you were terminated because of uh, any of the immutable characteristics that are protected by our human rights legislation. So gender, sexual orientation, race, disability, religion. Uh, barring this, uh, a company can terminate you because you know they don't like your sweater or for absolutely no reason whatsoever, as long as they pay you the severance that you are entitled to. And this is ultimately why 
you know, informing people is so important. You know, knowing your severance entitlements is key because that is the way in which you as an employee are the most protected by the law. Our law says, allows an employer to make any non-discriminatory business decision it has to or wants to as long as that employee is paid out. So, right. uh, you know, if you're terminated, it's important to focus less on the reason for that termination and more on the package in front of you. That is ultimately always why you should seek legal advice is to have that package reviewed to make sure uh, that it is um, that it's you know, mirrors what you should be getting. Yeah, people come in and say, I can't believe they fire me. You know, they can't do that. It's like, yeah, you know what? As stupid as it would be, they, they can fire you if you don't, they don't like the tie that you're wearing. I mean, but they'd have to give you full severance, but they could do something as, as completely as, and moronic as that. But that's still, with, still within the law. But also you getting paid your full severance is still within the law, too, if it's not for cause. We are talking about busting employment law myths. Here's another one, and this is a big one you get all the time. I know you do, and that is I will lose out on my severance if I do not sign back the termination letter by that deadline, you know, Friday at 5 or next Tuesday. Just you got to have it back to us, and people start to panic, right? So they sign. Oh, yeah, no, no, big time. And, you know, just just to circle back just for a second, just before we get to that with the with the reason for termination, John, because we've spoken about this a lot. And I think that this is so, you know, critical is um, social media stuff, right? This is why you have to ultimately watch yourself on social media. People think that they can post stuff on their Facebook account, on their Instagram, um, and that if it's not work related or if it's on personal time, it doesn't matter, but it does. Your employer can terminate you because they don't like your uh, opinion on something, mm -hmm. right? If you mm -hmm. say something rude, if you say something, you know, that's 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 deemed to be off color, um, then your employer can terminate you. You don't have to do anything that is necessarily wrong. It can just be a matter of a disagreement. And so, you know, it's, I think it's always important to keep in mind when you're posting on social media, you know, is this something that I would put in an email to my boss? And if it's not, maybe don't put it on social media either because, uh, you know, handing your employer a, a reason to terminate you is sometimes all that they need, especially if they're looking to cut costs. Um, but, you know, besides that, besides the myth of the reason of your termination being legally relevant, uh, is this other one is, you know, here's your termination letter. You have these severance entitlements. You have these extra severance entitlements. If you sign back this release by Friday at five, right. that is another myth. They do not, your rights, your severance entitlements do not expire at a deadline that the company sets. They become what they become at the moment that you're terminated and no passing of deadline is going to change that. You know, and, and so I have a lot of people say, you know, why do companies provide a deadline then if it's essentially meaningless? And I think most of them do it because they want to exert some kind of pressure. You know, they sure. want you to, uh, to feel the crunch. They want you to feel like you've got this time limited chance to accept the offer. Uh, it makes it feel like an opportunity and like you've got no time to speak to a lawyer. And if they're making it sound like it's something that might slip away, perhaps you will jump at it, right? Um, and a less nefarious reason that companies add a deadline uh, is because they are required to provide your record of employment and your final pay within 48 hours of termination. 
So oftentimes in order to not have to redouble the efforts on paperwork, they will, uh, they will just wait until they know what your entire severance package is going to be. Uh, before they, uh, before they process all that stuff. And then the other one, of course, is just for certainty. You know, they want to do the books. They want to close the file. They might have a monthly budget and your severance payment is going to be listed as an expense and they can't be pushed over to the next month. So there's all sorts of reasons why a company might impose a deadline on your package, but the expiration of what you're entitled to is not one of them. No, you got that full two years. By the way, I want to reach out any time to Leah to have more of a private conversation when we're not doing the show. That's new. Problem 604-283-3123. That's the way to do that. It is help at employmentlawyer.ca and mentioned as well. As we go to break, you can check out pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Tons of information on there and the severance pay calculator. And welcome back. It is uh, 4.33. plenty of time for you to uh, to call through, ask your questions. Feel free to do that. The phone line, 604-280-9898. Got lots of lines, so feel free to fill them up and ask your uh, your questions. Emails are help at employmentlawyer.ca. And if you want to talk to Leah after the show and uh, when we're not doing it, 604-283-3123. We are busting through employment law myths. The next one we're going to tackle is this. I cannot be terminated if I am on a leave. How about that? Oh, yeah. Huge myth. Um, I think that a lot of employees and employers think that being on a leave makes you, you know, job immortal. It essentially <laughs> makes you untouchable if you're on a leave. But it, this is actually not true. This is a big myth. And, you know, as I said before, an employer can terminate you for any reason at any time. And that includes during a time where you're away on a sick leave or a parental leave. You know, the key here is that the sick leave or the parental leave, the leave that you're on, can't be the reason for your termination. It can't even be a fraction of the reason for your termination. You know, think of it this way. You can be terminated while on leave, but you cannot be terminated because you are on leave. So there's a lot of case law out there that says that a company is not required to shutter its windows and stop doing business because because you're on a leave. They are allowed to hire somebody to work in your shoes. Uh, you just cannot be discriminated against on the basis of the fact that you are on the leave. And that includes being terminated because you're on a leave. It includes you know missing a promotion because you're on the leave. Uh, all, all of that good stuff. Your leave cannot factor into any of the employment-related decisions that your employer is making. Now, you know, you can, of course, be terminated on a leave, but that is just the law, right? It doesn't mean that it's smart for an employer to let someone go who's on leave. You know, I very, I have a, a handful of employer clients and I very rarely, if ever, give them the green light to terminate somebody on leave unless they've got a ton of paperwork to support the reasons for the termination. Uh, and, you know, ideally it's, it's paperwork that predates the leave. And obviously, of course, those reasons have nothing to do with the person being on leave. Right. The problem for most employers is that the optics are terrible, right? So if an employee says that they're going on leave and they're terminated one week later, I think that the employer would have a terribly uphill battle proving that the leave wasn't a factor, right? It's just the look of it, right? It doesn't pass the smell test. So I would never suggest it from a practical standpoint. And I actually think it rarely happens, but it's important to understand that you are not legally immune from being terminated because you are on leave and that your employer is allowed to still conduct business as it sees fit. 
Yeah, I mean, if you if you're if you're on leave and you're part of a uh, you know a unit or, or a mass clean sweep of people, a department, that's completely different. Then obviously it has nothing to do with your actual leave, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, that's that's and that's you know one of the main things that I look at. If somebody is let go while they're on leave, you know, I will. One of the most common questions I ask is, "Were your colleagues let go too? Do you know of anybody else who's been let go?" If your entire department was restructured and everybody in that department was let go, chances are extremely slim that your leave had anything to do with it. But if you know the employer is saying we're restructuring and you're fired and you're the only one who's been let go, then, you know, like I said, that just does not pass the smell test. And Mm -hmm. that's how so many of our discrimination claims are proven, right? Is not through somebody saying, hey, John, I'm gonna let you go because you're on on medical leave. Um, You know, very few employers are silly enough to do that, but because of the timing, because of the optics, our Human Rights Tribunal recognizes that, you know, very rarely do you have somebody be explicitly discriminatory, and that discrimination is systemic. It is, uh, it is, you know, something that needs to be extrapolated from consequences and people sort of never moving forward. And so what we have to do is we have to look at all of the surrounding factors uh, of a potential discrimination complaint to see uh, whether or not this was actually a factor in somebody's termination. We are busting employment law myths on the show today. Uh, Still some time, 604-280-9898, the number to call through and ask your question here. On the uh, on the radio show. After that, you want to get a hold of Lee. I'll give you that number too: six zero four two eight three thirty one twenty three. That's the way to go. Uh, the next myth is this: my employer can change my job duties, my uh, my pay structure, or my job location for that matter, whenever they want. Yeah. Also, a giant myth, and a myth that's extremely important to talk about in the context of COVID and this pandemic. Yeah because a lot of employers are trying to do exactly that. They are trying to you know, change a pay structure so that you're not getting a base salary, that it's more based on variable compensation that is you know, completely performance-based, or they're trying to, you know, they're shutting down the location in Vancouver and they wanna move you to Langley, or you know, they don't need uh, cashiers anymore, they need delivery drivers. And so we've had a lot of situations where somebody has had these changes to job duties. And I think that a lot of employees are under the impression that if there's a legitimate or bona fide reason for the changes, you know, like COVID, like the complete, you know, alteration of the landscape of our economy and the job that you were working, then that's okay. Your employer can do that. They can change your location or they can change, they can change your job duties. But unless the company has clearly reserved the right to do so, and by that I mean there's an enforceable agreement or contract that you've seen and signed that says the employer has the power to change your job duties or move you to Kelowna or you know any of those things, then an employer cannot, without your agreement, change those essential terms of your employment. And, and essential typically means pay, of course, responsibilities and general job location. If they do change any of those terms, then you can either accept it. You can, of course, if you've always wanted to go to Kelowna, you can absolutely um, take them up on it, or you can treat the change as the termination of your employment. And that's what's called a constructive dismissal. Constructive dismissal 
at the end of the day is the same as a regular termination in that it entitles you to severance. So if the terms of your employment have changed and you do not agree to them and the employer doesn't have the contractual right to change these terms, then you do have options. You can absolutely collect your severance. 604-280-9898 is the number for uh, for a question for the remainder of the show. Hey, Kenny, how are you? Good, good. Yourself? Good. What's up? Uh, thanks for having me. I, I have a question for the lawyer. Uh, one of my staff got that. Uh, she gave us a two-week notice. Then she went to the doctor. She got a notice. She cannot work because she's tired, she's stressing out, those kind of thing, after three days. And then she claimed uh, we have to pay for remaining of uh, her notice. So basically I have to pay another 10 or 11 days for remaining of her notice. So I don't know, what should I pay or I shouldn't pay at this time? But I didn't want to argue it and I just pay her for basically two weeks for nothing. At this time, it's very difficult, but I didn't want to argue. And she said, no, by law, we have to pay for her remaining the two weeks' notice because the doctor gave her a notice. She's sick, you know, she's not able to work for two weeks. Yeah, so, I mean, typically speaking, if somebody resigns and you don't want them to work out the rest of that notice, you either need to pay them the lesser of the notice that they've given or their minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act. Now, I mean, it's an interesting situation here because this is not your choice, right? She's the one who's saying that she's gonna go home. But I still think that this, that, that same obligation on you applies. So do you know how long she worked there? She worked for us over, over two years, on and off. She went, she went back to school, then she came back during the COVID. We need them play. She used to be our reception, then we hired her. We couldn't find the Brita to work in the front. I say, in this situation, head office is closed. We cannot hire you as a reception, but we need the Brita in the front. She, she was one of our good employees, but I'm still bothering me when she give us, I mean, it's not bothering me because I pay her. I didn't know the law. So she give us two weeks notice. She said, I'm not working. Then we accept it, we say, that's good, you can finish your two weeks, then go, because I trusted her. But after two, three days, she brought a notice from the doctor, she's not working because, you know, is a COVID or is it stressful for them to work then. And I said, okay, then they came to me, account and said, we have to pay her for another 11 days remaining, her resignation is remaining because she got the doctor note. And I said, why I have to pay? Why WCB doesn't pay? You know what I mean? At this situation, 11 days for yeah. me is too much. But I say, you know, I don't want to go through this headache. I just pay her. But still bothering me, why, what should I do at this situation? Yeah, well, I mean, people are entitled to give notice of their resignation or their intention to resign and to be paid for that period of time. If you don't want them to work or if they're not working during that period of time, you can opt to pay them their uh, minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act. So if she's been there less than uh, 12 months, uh, in this, in terms of this most recent stint, then you would only have to give her one week. So that's important to keep in mind is that it's the lesser of the notice that they've given 
or their minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act. So if she has been there for less than 12 months for this most recent stint, then it's only one week that you need to pay under the Employment Standards Act. I understand about what happened. She, uh, she gave us two weeks notice. Then she went to the doctor yeah. after two days. She got a notice she's sick. Then doctor gave her two weeks off. Then she came back to us and say, I have to get paid. I say, why, why you don't go to WCV? They say, oh, there's a thing employer has to pay because I give a notice. I didn't know I'm getting sick. Then I'm sick two weeks. Who's going to pay me? Then we pay her directly. We didn't tell her go to, you know, work a compensation or go to, you know, anywhere apply for your pay. As as employer, I yeah, have to no, pay her. And, and I think that it's... Yeah, I think that it's right that you paid her. I just think that if she was only working for 12 months or less than 12 months, then you didn't need to pay her for the full 11 days. You would have only needed to pay her for five. Like you would have only needed to pay her for a week. Three months, basically, after year we have to pay for one. Now, this is one of my questions. So I don't know if it was the right thing. I mean, no, it was the right thing, but I don't know what's the law around this. Somebody give you... I don't know. Still, I I asked other people. They didn't give me straight question. I say, why? If somebody give me four weeks notice, then because they work there four years, then go to the doctor. Doctor say, oh, you have to stay home for one month. How I can pay for uh, remaining? You know, resignations. How I can afford to pay this? You know what I mean? You. You don't need to. That's what I'm saying is you don't need to pay somebody for the rest of their notice period. You can just pay somebody for their minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act. You don't have to pay them for their notice period. So if somebody says they want to give you six months notice, you don't have to do that. Whether they're sick or not, you don't have to allow them to work for six months. You can just pay them for their ESA minimums. So I, I hope that that's helpful to you, Kenny. Susan, thank you so much for standing by. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing well, thank you, and excellent. thanks for taking my call. You bet. So my daughter, who's an excellent employee, um, has worked at the same place for five years, and recently she has requested to work from home because the owner and managers who work in the same building are not adhering to the mask mandate. If she mm. signs a new contract, does her severance then restart to the date of a new contract? Oh, so much going on here. So no, if she signs a new contract with the company, then it is still her years of service are going to be recognized from, you know, for the last five years. So the, so the time that she started, uh, but I would still absolutely, you know, make sure that she has any sort of contract reviewed as, you know, she could be just making it cheaper for the company to terminate her. And you don't want to be in, you know, you don't want to be putting yourself in that kind of position you know and i should say that in most cases your prior years of service are going to be recognized but there are some contracts that say you know your prior years of service are not going to be recognized very oh. unlikely with the same employer in fact i would sit i would think that it's almost certainly not going to be in there but you know you absolutely never know uh, with right. respect to the uh covid issue if i if i may uh just 
you know, if, if they're not following protocol, then your daughter absolutely has the, the right and the, and the ability to make a complaint to WorkSafe BC uh, regarding their lack of compliance with public health guidelines. You know, that is something that she cannot be punished for, has to be taken seriously, has to be addressed immediately. Um, and of course, uh, WorkSafe BC is taking very seriously right now. Okay. And would she have to let the owners know that that's what she is doing? Well, first things first is she actually needs to make the complaint to the owners themselves. So as soon as you make a complaint with respect to safety or health in the workplace, you need to first try to resolve the issue with the employer directly. The employer then, you know, has, they are statutorily mandated to immediately conduct an investigation. And your daughter does not have to go to work while this investigation is being conducted. So she makes Mm -hmm. the complaint to the employer, the employer has to investigate it immediately, and then they need to tell your daughter. If she doesn't think it's been addressed appropriately, if it's not remedied to her satisfaction, she can escalate it, in which case the employer has to essentially redo the investigation with a third party. Uh, third party being, uh, you know, I don't know if she's unionized, but somebody from the union or somebody from a joint health and safety committee, or even just a third party employee. If it's still not remedied at that stage, then she makes the complaint to WorkSafe and WorkSafe sends in uh, an investigator to to audit the workplace, essentially. Okay. And yeah, on top of they said, well, if you're working from home, then you have to do more work, even though she's a very good employee. Um, And yeah, I mean, you know what, she's the hub of the wheel there. So I don't even know why they're tooting this horn, but they are. Okay. Yeah. Well, I would definitely recommend that if they put a contract in front of her to have it reviewed because employers who are putting people on a contract right now are doing it for one reason and one reason only, and it it is to limit their own liability. It is to watch out for their own back hide. So, um, you know, make sure that your daughter is looking out for herself and strongly recommend that she have it reviewed before she signs off on it. Okay. And who does she have it reviewed by? WorkSafe? Uh, a lawyer, me. I, I'm, oh, I'm, no, I I'm happy to review it. Okay. Um, yeah, no, no, no. I, I would certainly recommend that it be a lawyer. It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be my firm. But, you know, if she knows somebody who uh, who does employment law, um, you know, highly recommend that it be reviewed by somebody who knows what they're talking about. Because um, especially, you know, after five years, she's accrued certain entitlements. She's accrued certain rights. And you don't want to sign those away. Um, and you know, allow the company to terminate her. Let, let me let me paint you a picture. If they were to, if they're planning on terminating her in January, mm-hmm. right? And she's not on a contract right now. They would have to pay her between five to seven months of severance. Okay. Right. If they get her on a con, if they get her on a contract, and that contract has a binding termination provision in it, they can terminate her jan- in January for five weeks of severance. It is an enormous difference that a contract can make, and that is why you always want to have it reviewed. Okay. Okay. Now, I may be mistaken um, in the fact that uh, I didn't say it was the employer who wants to do the new uh, a new contract. I think my daughter is asking for that because she also wants a raise then. So she might be shooting herself. Oh, okay. No, that's... No, no, I think that that's fine. I think that, you know, if she wants to have a contract, clarity of terms, making sure that both people are on the same page when it comes to 
you know, somebody's entitlements and rights and an employer's obligations, I think, is never a bad idea. It's just that if she's going to enter into a written contract uh, because of a raise, just make sure that there are no other terms included in that contract that can hurt her. Susan, appreciate the call. I'm going to uh, carry on, and here is the number to uh, give Lee a call. Would be the uh, you know the, the quickest line between two points. Just call who you know now. Lee is ready for you. Six zero four two eight three thirty one twenty three. Susan, be the way again. Six zero four two eight three thirty one twenty three. Or help at employmentlawyer.ca. Only got a couple minutes left to go here. I want to uh, wrap it up. With uh, with an email, uh, Frank says, uh, Leah, my former employer found out that I am working for a competitor of theirs and is now threatening to take legal action against me. Any advice? Yeah, this comes up um, all the time. And, you know, what I can say to Frank is that, you know, very rarely is legal action ever actually taken against somebody uh, for working with a competitor. Um, you know, first of all, are you uh, bound by some sort of restrictive covenant, some sort of non-compete in a contract that's enforceable? So did you sign an offer letter at the beginning of your employment that says you cannot work for a competitor? Um, If you did, that's not the end of the story here. That provision also has to be enforceable and it is very, very difficult to enforce uh, a non-competition agreement. If you don't have a non-competition agreement, you've never agreed to anything that says that you're not going to work for a competitor, then the only duty that you might have, and this is only in the very rare situation that you would be considered a fiduciary for your employer, is to not compete unfairly. So, you know, pending, barring those two very specific and I'd say rare circumstances, I would say my advice to Frank would be to write a response to say, fill your boots. Um, you know, I, there's nothing that prevents me from working for a competitor. Um, and you know, any legal action that you take is going to be unsuccessful and, uh, I'm going to continue doing me. (laughs) That's it for another afternoon. Appreciate the phone calls, emails, all the correspondence, uh, keep it going. You want to, uh, continue on just call this number 604-283-3123 to get a hold of Leah and her team and the email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca 